Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everybody. Andy Jacob here with the dot-com magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Settle back in your chair, get some notes, get some note paper out. If you do it the old-fashioned way, I'm old, so I still use paper, or get your tablet out, or get your iPhone out, or your Galaxy, whatever you like to take notes on, because we've invited a great entrepreneur on the show today. It's really an honor to have him. His name is Mr. James Camilleri. I've been waiting to have James on the show for a a number of months, actually, and he is the owner with his wife, Sarah, of the JSE Management Group, and James and his company, they own and operate over 70 Burger King restaurants. I mean, getting close to 70, uh, at last count, I mean, they keep burgeoning and they keep adding restaurants, so it's really incredible to have James on the show today. Of course, he has most of his restaurants in Massachusetts, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and also, what he and his group do is they work to fight hunger. I mean, they have a great social mission as well that's so powerful. But I'm so excited to have James on the show. I don't want to take all the time up because we have so many entrepreneurial questions for James about how he, he and his wife, Sarah, and his team have been able to build such a great company. So, James, welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thank you. It's an honor for yeah. It's great to have you. You're a very humble guy. You do so much good in the community. But before we get started, let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet, as you know, what we like to do at the beginning of the show. And tell us about JSE Management Group, what it's all about. And then we have so many questions for you. Yeah. So as you stated, we own um, just about 70. It'll be 70 here at the end of the month um, in New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts. And um, you know, I think what sets us apart from most companies is that we're a people-driven business. Um, you know, we, even though Burger King is the brand, the way that we believe in showcasing the brand is by developing people. And so our primary focus is really about um, taking care of our people, number one. Um, our, one of our departments is called uh, Director of Employee and Guest Experience. And we emphasize employee first, because if the employee is not getting an experience by our company, then the guest will not get one. So we believe that that's the only way that we can represent the brand in the best of our ability is to really take care of our employees first. I love it. You know, when you think about it, you think about that 
that experience walking into a Burger King? What sets apart some Burger Kings from others is exactly what you're talking about, this commitment to the employee, the commitment to the experience. You don't look at this as just, you know, a typical sort of, you know, restaurant. You look at it as something where you're ingrained in the community. Everybody that walks into your Burger Kings, they get a big hello. They get a big welcome. I mean, they get thanked for their order. And that comes from teaching the employees the proper way to approach business. So you're really making little entrepreneurs or younger entrepreneurs through your entrepreneurship. Isn't that right? Yeah. And, and again, our, our company, and you can read a lot about us, um, we focus on leadership. You know, in, in the restaurant business, everybody talks about being a manager. Well, we flip that upside down and we tell everybody we don't want you to be a manager because managers manage tasks. They manage a checklist. They manage um, policy and procedure. They manage a manual. And leaders develop people. So we, we minimize all of our policies and procedures and administrative duties for the teams to be more focused on development of people. So we want them to be leaders. So that's what they're called in our restaurants. They're called restaurant leaders, district leaders, team leaders. And then breathing life into them over the last two and a half years and teaching them what, what it means to be a leader, defining culture, defining what an attitude means and defining what adaptability means, defining what care and candor means when to have a a really great conversation that's tough, but it can be so rewarding on both sides when that's another really tough part about our business is people are so so uh, worried about everything that they say. They don't want to offend anybody. But the truth of the matter is people want to hear the truth. They want to, they want to know when they're doing well and they want to know when they're doing wrong. And, and it's a shame that most people shy away from that because you can't develop great leaders without giving them where their opportunities are. And we found over and over again, the more truthful we are with care, the more solid leaders will build. That's powerful. What, what a great approach. And I would imagine, James, in your early years, when you were working with your uncle at a family restaurant, and of course, later with your father, you know, at a Burger King, with your dad, you learned so much that you've taken into your methodology with regard to the business that you own. Uh, is that the way that it sort of worked? You saw things early on that you wanted to take along with you as you've grown up and, and uh, developed and built this amazing company? Honestly, um, you know, I was thrown in a leadership role at 15 years old. Um, 16, I was managing the restaurant, working 50 hours a week, my office restaurant. At 20 years old, I took over the first Burger King with my dad. And, you know, I went from full service into, into fast food. And to me, it was very, very simple. But the early going, I was, um, I was really all about me and getting it done. I could, I could get it done, but I could get it done my way. And if you didn't do it my way, then you were gone. Um, you know, as we built the company, especially with my wife coming on board, she's really taught me the people side of it. When we would work the restaurant together, um, she, there, I'll just give you one really quick example. There was a Christmas time where I would always just give out bonuses, right? And I give out a nice check. Well, one year, my wife made 12 spe specific gifts for 12 diff different restaurant leaders. And they were hand done. 
and they were special. And that's when I really began to watch my wife interact with people um, and her side. And people loved being around my wife. And so I, I think people liked being around me, but they were always afraid of me, you know. Um, and so over time, I, and again, we, you know, we went from 13 to 59 in 2020, right during the pandemic, we bought 47 restaurants. And I knew right then and there that, you know, God allowed me to lead 300 people, but could I lead 1,500 or 2,000? And that's when what the real deep soul searching really happened was just diving deep in myself, what my strengths, what my weaknesses, and for to lead a team this large, um, I had to do some soul searching. And, I, and I, I challenged that to any business leader. I literally had a conversation with another business leader the other day was that very same thing, that if you're not looking to develop yourself, how can you expect your people to develop themselves? And your people have to see the change in you. And I can honestly say that people have walked up to me and said they've seen the change. And, and you know, guys also introduced John Maxwell and, and me and my wife's life out of the blue. Like, I got invited to go meet John Maxwell about four years ago. And and that's another crazy story. But John Maxwell's a dear friend of ours today. So we're involved with his a lot of his fundraisers as well. But just his influence and the, the leadership and just being around somebody like that just elevates your game. I love it. I love it. Of course, one of my first jobs, I was a busboy back when I was 14 years old at the Pickle Barrel restaurant. And I did that. And man, I did the dishes. And I'll tell you, that experience for me, every time I go into a restaurant, I always make sure that I try and give the servers and the people at the restaurant the 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 respect that they deserve. And in your particular franchise uh, process, you teach people to be leaders and that leadership comes with a responsibility. And that certainly shows its way through for all the different Burger Kings that you and your wife own. Let's talk about elevating Christian ministries. I mean, I love it so much. You mentioned that, you know, God has directed a lot of this for you. And I love that so much. And you're fighting also to end the hunger crisis in Haiti amongst other places. Let's talk about that. How important is that giving back to the overall sort of business plan that you, of course, and, uh, and your wife have? I mean, Sarah, let's talk about that. Yeah, I'm going to give you a super high level. And I'm going to tell you exactly what we're proud of. And this was a vision that I personally had when I was in Haiti with my wife. And, um, you know, everybody asked you for money. Everybody asked you for help. And I literally told the pastor, I said, there's no way I can personally help you. Like, there's just nothing I can do for you. Um, I said, but if there was, was something that, that's on your mind, what could, what could, I, what would, what is it? And he said, I need help feeding children. And so, you know, I went back and I just said, okay, I'll think about it. And I came up with the idea of, of baking fresh bread. And without getting into all the craziness, today we, we feed over 35,000 children in 170 schools. We have over 225 employees in Haiti. And the biggest thing that we're most proud about is that I believe that we're the only mission in Haiti that actually builds business in Haiti. Our end goal, my, when I got into it, I never, I wanted no money coming from America. I didn't want to be the guy asking everybody for money. And so what we've done over the period of four years, and really last year, we couldn't really do much. Um, but we've built four bakeries and we built a, um, a chicken farm. And what we've done, so between those, those entities, what we do is we make white bread to sell and make a profit, the Haitian bread. 
And then we also service many, many schools and make the whole wheat bread, which is the healthy version that we actually grind the biblical way. We bring, we ship wheat to Haiti, we grind it, and we make fresh bread for the kids. But what we're able to do with that is we produced about $1.7 million in income, American dollars in Haiti, with a profit of about 350000 All of that money stays in Haiti. Now, you know what that does for the self-worth of all of those people? It raises it to a different level. When I went to Haiti for the first time after we opened our first bakery, um, one of the employees came up to me and said, Mr. James, thank you so much for allowing me to serve my country. He didn't say thank you for a job. He said, thank you for allowing me to serve my community and serve my country. And, you know, most people say thank you for my job, especially a Haitian, right? They make no money, right? And here we are paying them the national wage, which nobody else does in Haiti. Here we are turning over a profit. Here we are developing leaders. And when I, when I actually said, and that's why I said, I don't really feel that there's one other nonprofit in Haiti that actually is doing what we're doing is actually creating business to support their model because it's always a fundraiser. It's always a handout. And um, we still do those things because it's obviously quite a, quite a bit of money to feed 36,000 kids every day. But our end game and all of the Haitians know um, that they have to get out of that poverty. And they have seen the light in business. They've seen the light in entrepreneurship, right? And so like we're building another bakery now. We're building a little grocery store. Um, and it's their ideas. Okay, let's we're going to this community. And so that's the, that's the most thing that we're proud about. And um, feeding the kids is amazing. But honestly, seeing 220 leaders understand that it's time for you to go to work. It's time that you can change your country, not James and Sarah Camilleri. It's going to be you as Haitian people to rise up and change it. And you've got to make your own way. And so I love it, you know. Yeah, I love it. What a great story. And you mentioned something that really resonates for me when I look at your story, look at what you've done with the entrepreneur approach, with what you've done in Haiti, of course. And you mentioned self-worth. And I think when I really look at sort of the management company, I look at operating, you know, 70 Burger Kings and continuing to grow, that you're real big on providing your leaders an opportunity to improve their self-worth and to, to become something different or better than what they were when they joined you. So let's talk about it for a little bit because you have leaders that hire, you have to hire, you have to keep on hiring people. What are you looking for when you hire someone, whether they're going to be a line cook or someone at the cashier or somebody, you know, cleaning up or doing maintenance? What's the biggest thing that you're looking for when you hire someone to join this team? The biggest thing that I'm looking for um, is the high, the high capacity uh, high school or college kid. I want to see them involved in football. I want to see them involved in the, in the cheerleading. I want to see involved in the band. Um, I want to see them have so many things going on in their life and they have 15 hours to 20 hours to give me so they can make some extra cash. Those are your already natural born leaders, right? And a lot of, a lot of people, they, they say, well, I need somebody for 30 hours. Well, when you get two or three of them at 15 hours, you're actually going to have a much better crew. 
And so they're they're already successful, right? They're already they're already go getters. They're already the ones getting up at six o'clock in the morning and making their bed and and getting ready for school. They're already the people that have the A's. And when you find those ones and you're very, very honest with them and you say, hey, I can work one on your schedule. I need you 15 hours. That's all I need you. I'd love to have you. Nine times out of 10, you hire those people very, very quickly. When you start beating them up is try to give them more hours and they can't afford it because they understand that their studies are more important than work. Their their family life is more important than work. Um, That's when you lose them. And so that's where we have to be careful as a, as a business that we don't over push that envelope because we're trying to teach, hey, you're going to be a much better person, not, not only working for us, but with your home and in your, your personal life and whatever you got going on in your future. Um, and so the more people that we try to find like that, the better, more high capacity. And, and it's funny that, that a lot of people shy away from that. They want to find the kids that are dropped out and can work 40 hours a week. I don't want to find those kids. They're, that's not for me. Now, that doesn't say that we we have some success in some of those, but that's not the norm for us. Wow. So interesting. I'm going to throw a little sidewinder in here. I normally don't do it, but uh, I'm, I think you can handle it. You know, you mentioned the younger kids that have 15, 16 hours. They've got an, a whole life going on, whether they're involved with, you know, sports or they're involved with theater, whatever it is outside, but they're, they're active. They're, they, they have what I would call a can-do attitude. And in this day and age, a lot of the younger people we hear from certainly employee employers and entrepreneurs, they have maybe more of a can't-do attitude. And there's this difference between people that believe they can do something and people who believe they can't do something. So, what do you think's going on with this can't do attitude? Do you think that it's just people that don't have good leadership? Because I know you're a big leadership expert or why do younger kids, some younger kids have this can't do attitude versus this can do attitude? You know, I, I, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I've yet to figure that out, but I can tell you from, from personal experience that, um, you know, I went through a divorce and, and, Hopefully my son doesn't watch this, but no, that's good for him to see it anyways. But, um, you know, my daughter's, my daughter's a lot like me. She's a, she's a go-getter. She's, she's driven. You don't have to tell her to do anything. She's going to go. My son is 20 years old and he is finding his way in life. And I, I raised them both the same way. There's no, no difference, but I got two different personalities. Love them both. They're, they're both going to be very, very successful kids. Um, but I can't give you a, a straight answer on why one would be exceeding the other. Um, I, I wish I could say, Hey, I wasn't there or I, or I could say the root of the problem is at home. Um, because I think a lot of people feel that at least guys and entrepreneurs that I talk to feel that the root is in the home, which I do believe there is some merit to that, but I've got a perfect situation where, you know, I, I think that um, just two different personalities and two different drives, right? And that's really not for me to judge, even as a parent, right? I just got to love my children. Um, and I believe that's same to be true in business. You know, sometimes, you know, we talk about this a lot, and I just talked about it last week. But sometimes you got to be a mother. Sometimes you got to be a father. Um, and 
I really believe that if you're a really good leader, those kids that have like can't do attitude will 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 be attracted to you. Um, they'll 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 at least spark an ear. They'll at least take a little look different. And I don't. I just believe it's who you're around. I really really do. Um, and so I, and I'm and I'm an optimist, so I believe that I could turn around anybody. But <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's definitely. But I I'm not ashamed or not ashamed, but really nervous about the future because. I've seen it work. I've seen when you apply the right philosophies, when you apply the right teachings, the right leadership skills, that you can have a thriving business um, and you can't be afraid of the future. If anything, I'm optimistic for the future um, because leaders attract leaders. It's that simple. And if you, if you have, if you have bad leader, they're also going to attract bad people. So you got to be careful of that too. Um, But I understand what you're saying. That's probably a long answer, um, but for me, I'm always I'm always cutting edge, looking at ways for us to be a better company, so that people want to come work for us. And even those can't do's, they want to just test us out. And like I said, we've converted some of those can't do's. I love it. It's a great answer because really, sometimes it's just a matter of timing. I mean, I have some friends of mine with with younger, you know, uh, teenage or even college age you know, kids and post-college. And it's remarkable how it's just sometimes a matter of timing where all of a sudden a young person just has a light bulb go off. And, you know, maybe one of the one of their children has a light bulb that goes off when they're 16 and the other one has a light bulb that goes off when they're 28. But like you said, you surround them with love, you care about them, you give them the good fabric, the good uh, the good baseline of, of the way to think, and ultimately they get there. Let's talk just generally, and I know you've only cut out a certain amount of time today, Jane, so thank you so much. And before I get into entrepreneurship, I just want to ask about the franchise model. For the people watching the show, I know it's done very well for you. Generally speaking, how do you feel about the franchise or franchise or franchisee model for entrepreneurs looking for something to invest their time, energy, effort, experience, and background into to be successful? Yeah, I mean, uh, any business book you read, 98% of franchises are successful. Uh, 3 2% of your own concept will fail within the first two years. Um, very, very tough. I've been on both sides of it. I have four full-service restaurants of my own. Um, the, the franchise model provides you with structure. They provide you with a name. You're going to pay for that name, but it provides you structure that a lot of new business owners just don't have. They don't know how to organize, plan, whereas the franchise, and the reason why you're paying that royalty and the reason why you're paying that advertising is to move your business forward. Um, so I, I, I would recommend franchise number one, but I would also tell them you have to work it. You know, my wife and I, we started out with one. And we worked one. We worked. We worked up to five restaurants in the restaurants every day until we were able to afford. Matter of fact, her brother is the president of our company to come on board to help us out. And and a lot of people, I've had a lot of my friends call me up and say, "Hey, I want to want to become a franchise of this, but I don't want to go work." <laughs> and I tell them all, "If you don't want to work, keep your money in the bank." But I've seen very other people come very very successful doing the getting in there and, and doing the work. Um, so I highly believe in the franchise and there's certainly some really great up and coming ones. If you get online and look, um, 
And, you know, we're getting to the point here where people are, everything is delivery and everything is done for you. And it's just making that world stronger. And, the, and there's just some really, really good young franchises out there that people could tap into if they want to work. So, yeah, I believe in 100%. I love it. I mean, again, I could see that being the, the title of your TED Talk or the next book you have coming out. It's called Do the Work. I love that. Do the work. You have to do the work. Okay. Before we go, you probably have some of your people at the, uh, at the Burger Kings watching this, you know, some of the people who are the leaders and the, and the future leaders. For the entrepreneurs watching the show and some of the people that uh, are working with you at the, at the restaurants and the future leaders and maybe people that have left and now they're leading something else, but maybe they're having a tough time. What can you say to the entrepreneurs watching the show that are maybe having a tough time about what to do, how to keep on pushing, what to think about to get through those tough times as a business owner? Well, there's two sides to that question, that answer. And one is, is because I'm a Christian, I have to tell everybody that you have to, you have to listen to God and, and tell him what you want and what is his plan for your life. Because the minute that you go on a different tangent than his plan, this nothing that you do is going to ever work out. Um, but as, as far as the, you know, the practical side and the business side, I think most people never take the time when we just talk about doing the hard work. They don't take the time to pause. They don't take the time. You know, you get a lot of seeing this happen where it's a, something that's very, very creative, very, very artistic in, in, in their mind, but they have no business sense. And what they do is they, they pour into their creative side and they hand everything else off to the business people. And what that does is that creates a problem because all of a sudden they really don't have a true vision for their future. Now it's created by somebody else. They're, they're, they've, got, they've got blinders on, on, on the creative piece. And over here, other people are doing the work. When, you need a, when you're an entrepreneur, you need to do it all. And if you and you have to write down those clear visions, and most of those people that I that I talk to, they're either on one of those two lanes. They're either doing what God doesn't want them doing, or they fail to plan. And you know, in, in the position that my wife and I are now, we literally just listen to God. We don't do any more planning. We're we're at that stages because we realize that everything when we when we slow down and listen. He opens the door. We don't have to sit here and go, hey, I want 25 more Burger Kings. I want 100 more Burger Kings. We don't do that anymore. But in, in specific to your question, I think that that's where a lot of people get stuck and they have to do a pause, analyze where they're at and where they want to go. And if you're willing to get in there and do the work, and I've been through it, I've been through very, very tough times, um, you can get through it. I actually literally just, just shared that story with our whole team at our vision event. Uh, last week about um, because we're, we're our 2023 vision is JSE dream team. We're talking about every member of our staff being a dream team member. And we started it off by, by showing how I failed. And the reason why that I failed was because I was a leader about me. I wasn't a leader about other people. My interest was in me. It wasn't about others. And I told that story and, um, and people were just overwhelmed by that story. But I had to do some deep reflection. I had to pause. I had to slow down. 
and say, hey, if I'm going to get out of this, how do I do it? And map a way out of it. And, and, and I really believe it's made me 10 times stronger. I love, I love, I love the journey, number one. And I love the hard times. I, that's when I really am at my best is when things are super hard. You know, it's really easy. I'm, I'm bored. But when things are hard, I love it. <laughs> I, want, I want to get out of it. And I think most entrepreneurs got to understand that. They're always going to go through it. And if you don't love it, you shouldn't be in it. Wow, James. I love it. I mean, that little piece right there is a golden nugget. I mean, for the people watching the show, rewind what James just said as he's building the dream team. He's been able to share his, some of his personal failures, like I'll guess the, I'll call them, or opportunities for improvement other people might call them, to humanize not only himself, but to tell people, hey, you can do this thing. I mean, we all scrape our knees. We all fall on our behind, but we get up and we keep on pushing. We have a higher source of energy and power that, you know, leads the way. And this has just been fantastic, James. One thing though, that I'm a little bit concerned about is based on what you said, it sounds like Sarah's going to have to start making those individualized Christmas gifts uh, a little bit <laughs> earlier this year with over 70 Burger King restaurants. So Sarah, if you're listening, get to work. I want to thank you so much, James, for coming on the show. I mean, this has been a fantastic interview and, uh, and thank you for sharing self, self-worth and, and what it takes to keep on pushing and keep on going and all the great work that you're doing throughout the world. Thanks for coming on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure.